Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Hot Rod Bible Study where we're coming to you live via remote from Mansfield, Texas at the home of Jen and James Johnston, my darling daughter and her handsome husband as well as their two children, Justin and Julia. This uh, weekend in Mansfield there will be a little car show, and James and I are going to be taking our two Harleys there. As you can tell, there's only 60 years difference in the two. And uh, I think I do have a rope that I carry in the back of the uh, servant car, so in case I break down, James can drag me home. But we were looking like we're going to have a good time, and I hope that if anybody's in the area, if you can stop by, that'd be pretty neat. Tonight we are in Matthew chapter 13, beginning at the 47th verse. This is a continuation on with our study in Matthew, which will go on for a few more, well, quite a few more weeks yet. So with that, please join me in prayer. Father, thank you for having us be here. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your love. Thank you just for loving us so much that you sent your, your son to pay the price for our sins. With that, please open our hearts and minds to your word. And as I always am apt to say, keep me out of the way. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, here we are. I knew that was going to happen. I had pizza earlier. I knew that was going to just come up like that. Okay, we are in chapter 13, beginning at the 47th verse, where it says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind, which, when it was full, they drew to shore. And they sat down and gathered the good into the vessels, but threw the bad away. So it will be at the end of the age. Angels will come forth, separate the wicked from among the just, and cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Jesus said to them, Have you understood all these things? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he said to them, Therefore, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out his treasured things, new and old. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables that he departed from there. When he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty words? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, and his sisters? Are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country or in his own house. Now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. At that time Herod the Tetrarch heard the report about Jesus and said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He has risen from the dead, and therefore these powers are worked in him. For Herod had laid hold of John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Because John had said to him, it's not lawful for you to have her. And although he wanted to put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. 
But when Herod's birthday was celebrated, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Therefore he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. So she, having been prompted by her mother, said, Give me John the Baptist's head on a platter. And the king was sorry. Nevertheless, because of the oaths and because of those who sat with him, he commanded it to be given to her. So he sent and had John beheaded in prison, and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. Then Then his disciples came and took away the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. Fairly gruesome story there. Uh, but again, these are the things that went on at the time. Uh, still going on, as you might recall, uh, the beheading of Christians over by in the Middle East by ISIS not that very long ago. These things still go on. Uh, it seems really strange for us uh, living here in the United States, but uh, it was not uncommon then, still isn't all that uncommon in other parts of the world. Okay, now, verse 47 says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind. This kind of dragnet is not Sergeant Joe Friday. This type of dragnet is about uh, 300 feet long and, and drug between two boats and the depth of it goes down about 12 feet or so, so it drug in the Sea of Galilee, right? And they weighted it down at the bottom edge, so they it was a drag net. It was a net that was being drugged between these two boats. And that, you know, cast into the sea, gathered some of every kind, which, when it was full, they drew to shore, and they sat down and gathered the good into the vessels, but through the bad away. This is something that the people in this area around the Sea of Galilee could vision, visualize as something that happens all the time. And so this is, a, again, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, and it's just a story about one thing, unlike, um, again, an allegory where it has a whole bunch of stuff. Jesus is making a point here. He's not making multiple points. Okay. So the people there could underst- would understand what he's talking about. Okay, He goes on to say in verse 49, So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come forth, separate the wicked from among the just, and cast them into the furnace of fire where there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Uh, this is agony. Uh, as we mentioned last week's study, that they were flung into the fiery furnace, it did not burn them up because wailing and gnashing of teeth, they're still alive. And what they're doing in this is not being consumed by the fire, but they are being tormented. This is not something that I would wish on my worst enemy. This is not something I would want for any of my loved ones. Verse 51 goes on to say, Jesus said to them, have you understood all these things? And they said to him, yes, Lord. Now, I'm going to go back in the last week's study. We're going back to Matthew 13. Just going to look at a couple of verses here. Actually, 3, 10 through 12. And, and the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? Right? 
And he, Jesus, answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not, even what he has will be taken away from him. Okay, so they understood these things. This is the disciples, the twelve, they understood what he was trying to say. Why? Because he opened their hearts and minds to them. Now, verse 52 said, Then he said to them, Therefore, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out his treasure, things new and old. Okay, a scribe was not just a clerk, like you would be thinking now, like a court reporter. No, no. A scribe was somebody who was also a teacher, was well-educated. Uh, Ezra, you may have heard of Ezra. There's a book, Ezra, and we're going to look in Ezra chapter 7 and look at the beginnings of uh, verse 6. It says, This Ezra came up from Babylon, and he was a skilled scribe in the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given. So he was like... The scribes were like attorneys, and quite honestly, they held a very high position in the Sanhedrin. What's the Sanhedrin? Well, the Sanhedrin is the group of leaders. We had Pharisees and Sadducees. Uh, Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. Uh, the Pharisees put on a whole mess of other oral uh, laws that needed to be followed. The Sadducees were a little bit more on the conservative side on this, but they didn't believe in uh, the resurrection because they only believed in the Torah, the five books that um, Moses read. And I know this is, but but I'm trying to explain, is the, Sad the, the scribes were well thought of, well educated, probably educated to the point of thinking they're pretty hot stuff. I, actually, they did. They, you know, were, they wore fancy stuff and people would, oh, look at them and bow down to them and all this stuff on the street. And so they are pretty powerful. Now, it says, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out his treasure, things old and new. Uh, Charles Spurgeon put it this way, they were not weary of the old, nor were they afraid of the new. Those are the scribes instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven, okay. which Jesus is speaking a lot of throughout this time. Now, verse 53, it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables that he departed from there. He departed from the region of Galilee, okay, and when he had come to his own country, Nazareth, which was north, Right? He taught them in their synagogues that they were astonished uh, and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and this, these mighty works? Uh, recognize. And this is something that's hard for us with uh, limited, well, how about um, those of us who have pea brains uh, with uh, limited knowledge, uh, finite, pardon me, that's what I was looking for, finite knowledge, trying to understand a, limit, a, a fine, infinite God. I can get it out. An infinite God. This is something that Jesus 
is. On earth, he was truly man and truly God. Now, how does that work? Uh, that's one of those mysteries that somebody like me with a pea brain, a finite brain, cannot explain. But this is what Scripture says, and this is what God said of his own son. Okay, there. Now, they go on in verse 55 saying, Is this not the carpenter's son? Right? You know, Jesus knew how to work with his hands. He was like most of his hot rodders who had the ability to do that kind of stuff. He was no sitting around uh, listening to philosophers and such that was quite the thing to do in Greece and all during the time. He could work with his hands, okay? And is not his mother called Mary? Now, here's the big one for those of you who might have a certain faith tradition. It's kind of hard to swallow. His and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, and his sisters, are they not all with us? Okay, again, again, Mary did not remain a virgin. She was blessed among all women. If you want to look it up in Luke chapter 1, verse 28, but she was not a part, was not and is not a part of the Godhead and therefore is not to be worshipped nor prayed to. She is blessed among women. You know, she's way blessed. Okay, now it goes on to say, where did this man, okay, remember, fully man and fully God, get all these things, and they were offended with him. Uh, the Message Bible says they got their noses all out of joint. Okay, now. And it goes on to say, but Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own country or his own house. Uh, there's the old saying that familiarity breeds contempt. Uh, and I think that everyone who preaches the gospel has experienced this at one time or another, because they remember how you are. Remember who you are. You know, I'm just a regular, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an auto mechanic. Uh, I'm a hot rodder. I am a sinner. I am somebody who did some really crazy stuff when I was younger and all this stuff. And so for people to say, wait a minute, he's preaching the gospel. He's a pastor. Oh, come on. Not him. Well, you know what? Even though Jesus was without sin, they figured he knew how to work. He was a carpenter. What do you mean? He's just a regular schmo guy. How can he teach with this authority? And there it is. It says they're, they are not without honor except in their own country and their own house. Okay. Now, verse 58 says, Now he did not do many works there because, many mighty works there because of their unbelief. E.M. Zier says it was because of their unbelief that they were unbelief. Worthy. Remember, those multiple times when Jesus heals somebody, he says, your faith has made you well. It's because of belief. These folks didn't believe, so hence they did not get the healing or the mighty works. Verse 14 goes on. At that time, Herod, the Tetrarch. Now, a Tetrarch is someone who ruled over a quarter of the area of a kingdom or uh, a province in the Roman Empire, 
Okay, that's Herod. Now, this Herod is also known as Herod Antipas. Okay, it's a family deal. Okay, now, Herod the Tetrarch heard the report about Jesus and said to his servants, this is John the Baptist. He has risen from the dead and therefore has the powers at work in him. He was full of guilt and plenty of superstition to go along with it. Why? Well, the answer is it for us here in verse 3. For Herod had laid hold of John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother's wife. Now, here about Adam Clark talks about Herodias. This infamous woman was the daughter of Aristobulus and Bernice, the granddaughter of Herod the Great. Her first marriage was to Herod Philip, her uncle by whom she had Salome. Okay. Sometime after, she left her husband and lived publicly with Herod Antipas. Okay, if you think that somebody who has been married and splits and goes shacks up with somebody else is something new, sorry, <laughs> it's been going on well over 2,000 years, probably three, 4,000 years. Okay, long time. Now, here it is. So, Herod had laid hold of John and bound him and put him in. Yeah, I already mentioned that because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Now, verse 5, pardon me, verse 4, because John had said to him, it's not lawful for you to have her. John was saying, hey, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. You stole your brother's wife from him. It's not lawful for you to do this. And uh, that she, came, she evidently came along willingly. Now, goes on, verse 5, And although he wanted to put him to death, although Herod wanted to put John to death, he feared the multitude, all the people. Because why? Because they counted him as a prophet. So what did Herod fear? Herod feared the opinion of people more than fearing God. He feared the opinion of people because he thought he was going to get in trouble because their, their opinion was that, you know, he was, that John was this great prophet. Uh, but he didn't fear God because he took his brother's wife. Hmm, how, what does that say for us? You know, when, when, do we, when do we draw the line or where do we draw the line on things of that nature? Let's say, okay, God says not to do this, but we have those who are our peers who say, oh, go ahead and do it. It's just fine. <laughs> it happens all the time. Fearing the opinions of people more than fearing God. Now, we go on. Verse 6. But when Herod's birthday was celebrated, and the daughter of Herodias, this is that Salome chick, right, danced before them and pleased Herod. Now, this was not a ballet. This was more of a hoochie-coo, right? Yeah, you know, what about today? Are there mothers who encourage their daughters to dress pro provocatively or encourage them to do things that um, might earn a lot of money but is not 
uh, the will of God. Yeah, yeah. And so the same thing was going on then. Okay. This hoochie that she danced for Herod pleased him. Okay. One thing he was, he was half in the bag when all this was going on at his, at his, at his uh, birthday party. He might even be totally wiped out. But boy, it really did something for him. And therefore, he promised with an oath. Okay, real smart. One of those things. Yeah, you know, cross my heart. This is, this is, my word is, is written in stone here to give her whatever she might ask. And she, having been prompted by her mother, said, give me John the Baptist's head here on a platter. Yow! Boy, isn't that a little bit gruesome. But again, figure out where she is from. Yeah. William Bruce puts it this way. She, Salome, was shrewd enough to demand that it be done immediately while the guests were still at the party. That was an essential part of the request. No time must be left for repentance. If not done at once, under the influence of wine and momentary gratification done by the voluptuous dance, it might have never been done at all. Timing is that way. Now, verse 9, the king was sorry. Nevertheless, because of the oaths and because of those who sat with him, he commanded it to be given to her. Again, fearing the opinion of people more than fearing God. Verse 10. So he sent and had John beheaded in prison. Wow. And his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. I can't think of anything more gruesome to have happen. Then his disciples, John's disciples, came and took the body and buried it and told Jesus. Now, here's, here's, something, here's something you might find interesting. Herod. Herod had a terrible end. In order to take his brother's wife, Herodias, he had put away his first wife, who was a princess from a neighboring kingdom to the east. Now, her father was offended and came against Herod with an army, defeating him in battle. Hmm. Then his brother Agrippa accused him of treason against Rome, and he was banished to the distant Roman province of Gaul. Now, Gaul was a region, Western Europe, uh, which was first clearly described by the Romans, encompassing present-day France. Belgium, the Netherlands, Luxembourg, and parts of Switzerland, Germany, and northern Italy. Okay, now, while in Gaul, Herod and Herodias committed suicide. Wow. Wow. Now, what do we have to gather from this, this story of... Uh, Herod and Herodias and Salome and all this stuff. Well, it's back to putting the fear of people's opinion over the fear of, actually the respect of, respect for God. Never, ever, ever turns out good. Now, 
Questions, comments, or smart aleck remarks? I'm waiting for those. I did get a pretty good one the other day from, from Doug Thompson. That's good. Uh, also, uh, he requested, and it really works out neat. Gee, isn't it just a coincidence? Today happens to be the National Day of Prayer, the first, went, uh, first Thursday in the month of May. Years ago, I was the Human and Spiritual Values Committee Chairman of the Kiwanis Club of Uptown Riverside, and it was my duty to put on a prayer breakfast every year, and I got it so we'd do it at, on the National Day of Prayer. And interestingly enough, I had quite a bit of uh, resistance to that, and I had one person say, you know, why are you having the National Day of Prayer? Well, it's to pray for our country. And what about other countries? <laughs> It kind of took me aback, and I said, well, we're not praying that God damn these other countries. We're just praying that he bless us and show us what's going on. So that being the case, and today being the National Day of Prayer, it makes all the sense to pray for our nation. So, again, interestingly enough, in my one of my daily devotionals, our daily bread, which I really love, my mother is one who actually got me reading that back. Yikes. Well, well, over 40 years ago. Anyway, uh, and it talks about this. Here, Jehoshaphat, you know, this is Old Testament guy, an experienced national leader, prayed to during a crisis. Not just being a leader, he also prayed. Okay, Three nations had united against him, and they were coming to attack his people. Although they had more than two decades of, although he, pardon me, had more than two decades of experience, he decided to ask God what to do. And he prayed, we will cry out to you in our distresses and we will, and pardon me, and you will hear us and save us. He, and then this comes out of Second Chronicles, said, he also asked for guidance, saying, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Jehoshaphat's humble approach to the challenge opened his heart to God's involvement, which came in the form of encouragement and divine intervention. No matter how much experience we have in certain areas, praying for help develops a holy reliance on God. It reminds us that he knows more than we do. How about that? Can you believe that? God knows more than we do? <laughs> and he's ultimately in control. Now, now, that's actually something that a lot of people who reject Jesus have problems with, giving up control to God. They want to be the one what's in charge. It doesn't ever turn out well. Look what happened to Herod and Herodias. Okay, now... So it puts us in a humble place, a place where he's pleased to respond and support us. See, that's it. God is pleased to respond and support us. He loves us. He wants a relationship with us. Okay? He doesn't want to be kicked to the curb like most anybody else that wants a relationship. You know what? Uh, your, your spouse doesn't want to be kicked to the curb. They want a relationship, okay? He wants, he's pleased to respond and support us no matter what the outcome may be. So with that, I'm going to lift our nation up in prayer. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, Dad, 
We love you. We need you. And we desire to be closer to you. Lord, please, please forgive our nation for turning its back on you. This is not something new, Lord. We read about it all over in the Old Testament where the nation of Israel did the same thing. Lord, help our leaders to look in Scripture and see how it turned out poorly for Israel. Taken off into exile, you know, and turning our back on you, Lord, in this country does not end well either. So please, Lord. Open the hearts and minds of our not only elected officials, but those who are uh, in power, elected or not, that they would seek your face. And again, turn away from the things that we have been doing. And I pray these things in Jesus' most holy name. Amen.